It's an all-new season of ACDC Beyond the Thunder. Are you ready? With your host, Gert Squires, with Greg Ferguson and Eric Deal. For those about to talk, we salute you. Welcome to a freestyling episode of ACDC Beyond the Thunder, a podcast where listeners tune in to hear extraordinary fans pay homage to this extraordinary band with diverse backgrounds from well-known authors, actors, comedians, professors, wrestlers, military war heroes, and yes, even artists best known for two turntables and a microphone. I'm your host, Kurt Squires, alongside my besties, the talented and hard rockin' engineer, Eric Keelb, and fellow ACDC compadre, Greg Ferguson. Hey, Kurt. Well, I'm looking forward to this episode. I've been looking forward to it all week, and uh, this is going to be a really, really fun one for me, for sure. I know you're a huge Run DMC fan. Uh, light years ahead of me as far as rap goes. So yeah, you know, I think I started listening to Run DMC probably in '84. Following a couple of years, I really got into Run DMC. So if my my childhood self could see me doing this interview, I'd be going crazy as a 13 year old kid for sure. Yeah, oh, that's great. Well, without further ado. Today, we're honored to have the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award winner, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, who's sold over 30 million albums. He's an author, appeared in multiple films, and who has a whole host of firsts, not to mention look and style that would define the next 25 years of hip-hop fashion. ACDC Beyond the Thunder welcomes the DMC portion of the greatest hip-hop group of all time, Run DMC. Ladies and gentlemen, Daryl McDaniels is in the house. What's happening? What's up, Greg? Um, y'all are huge ACDC fans. Yes, yeah. We, Greg and I started this documentary years ago, and it was about famous, extraordinary fans who have been influenced by ACDC. And, right, right. Uh, they're professing their love for ACDC and how they've been influenced you know, and so we've well, talked. Hold on, to, question to you. I'm interviewing y'all now. What made y'all do that? <laughs> what made y'all start that? A little bit of stupidity. Yes, <laughs> the perfect answer. Uh, that's a long answer, but right. um, I have a huge affinity for ACDC. So, and I was always being asked, "What's the deal with ACDC?" And I didn't know how to respond. So I thought. Let's ask the people who've really done things with their lives and how they've been influenced by this band and see if we could figure this out. Right, right. Okay, okay. You'll find your answers and everybody else's. Exactly. So I'm about to find out what attracted me to ACD. Exactly, yes. That's that's what the show's about. So The thing that attracted me to ACDC is when I first heard, I think I heard Highway to Hell first. I'm on a highway to hell. Now, I heard the record. It was the record first. Didn't know who it was by or whatever, whatever. Then I find out it was this band that was called ACDC. But you are constantly overwhelmed by this statement, the greatest rock and roll band in history, they'll say the Stones. Or the greatest rock and roll band in They'll say the Beatles. And then you got all of these people talking about Led Zeppelin. And then Queen and all of these bands came into existence. But I heard Highway to Hell. 
And my first question was, why isn't this band mentioned in that upper echelon of the greatest rock and roll band? Yeah. Then I found out the band's name that made this record, Highway to Hell, was ACDC. And that was cool. I was like, oh, shoot, that's the plug. <laughs> you know, because I'm a kid. And I'm right. like, wow, this is like crazy. And then, because I'm a big comic book head. Right. So the name, the look, and the logo was like just out of here. Then I discovered they, they, they have a song called Back in Black. Yes. So those were the two things that made me pay attention to, you know, what is this about? But the other thing was the lead singer's voices. Right. Very distinct. Right. But so distinct that, like, look, Freddie Mercury's phenomenal. Mick Jagger is fucking incredible. And the Beatles, John and Paul are great. But y'all motherfuckers don't sound rock and roll like this band. There was something, ACDC was definitive of what rock and roll really, truly is. Those voices, that's rock and roll to me. Yeah. I'm a big classic rock guy. Yes. Anyway, so I'm getting into, you know, everything, you know, Dark Side of the Moon and stuff like that. And it would always bring me back to ACDC songs to say, why aren't these guys number one, two? And I'm talking about for that rock and roll. Dave, these motherfuckers <laughs> make <laughs> the meaning of what rock and roll is that everybody claims. Yes. They're the actual personification of that spirit from the sound of the records, the subjects of the records, the performance of the records, just the, the whole aura of it. Like, everybody else does rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. This band is rock and roll. There's the soundbite right there. Yeah. There's the soundbite. Yeah, I had, we had read where you were in your car somewhere in New York City, 79 or 80. It was probably 79, and you heard Highway to Hell for the first time. And it was like, uh, where's the quote here? It was something to the effect that you were on an adventure or an amusement park ride. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Just hearing Highway to Hell for the first time. and It was an experience. Which is what rock and roll should be, right? Right. Yeah, it did something to your movement and your breathing and your feeling. Like, I still remember that day. You know, I'm always feeling good, but it was like I was on a ride. Right. It was right. like the ACTC takes you on a ride. No stop signs, speed limit. Nobody's gonna slow me down. Like a wheel, gonna spin it. Nobody's gonna mess me around. Hey, Sasha. Where do your early influences come from? You had mentioned. Oh. That you listen to a lot of classic rock, but <clears throat> when you think about rap, I think about early disco influences, right? Not and for me. Even the classic rockers were delving into disco. Queen and Kiss and the Stones were even doing a little. But they all wanted to get in Studio Fifty Four. Right, <laughs> exactly. They were they... such outlaws that they had to do something to get on that disco level. Hey, that's a great question. Here's what people don't know. In the early days of hip-hop, before recorded hip-hop, 
meaning before we even sampled and did all of that, what the world knows as hip hop on records and the thing Run DMC and Grandmaster Flash did. Before that, disco died. Now, disco is phenomenal. Disco, it was beautiful. You know, Donna Summer, the Bee Gees, sure. um, 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 the Tramps, even Burn Baby. It was really good music. Love that stuff. But one morning, I woke up overnight. Disco sucks. Yes. And everywhere it ended. I wish that happens to hip hop right now. <laughs> <laughs> People say hip hop sucks. But it's striving and it's number one in the world. You got all of these rappers every day. You got a young this and a little that and a bit. It's crazy. I wish that happens to hip hop. But what happened to disco was I woke up overnight. Yes, I remember that. They said disco sucks and everywhere it was over. So when they was throwing disco away and all of the discos were closing, the DJs who were doing hip hop said, yo, disco may suck. But that bass line is a motherfucker. So yes. we took all of those records, and this is before recorded rap, and the DJ would keep that bass line going so the MC could save his little rap. It was all about having a space in other people's records for me as the MC to say my rap. In those crates, along with James Brown, who was a foundation of hip-hop. Everybody wanted a James Brown beat. Why? Because James Brown always had a spot in his records with a funky drummer. He counted off one, two, three, four, hit it, and the beat would play. The DJs knew that's perfect for the MC to say his rap. So it was disco records, and it was hip-hop records. Okay, let's not forget jazz. Bob James, Run DMC's Peter Piper is a sample of jazz master Bob James, Take Me to the Roddy Grove. Because yes. somewhere in a jazz record, there's always a break. Tick, tick, doom, ding, 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 ding. And all the other instruments will stop, and there's enough space for me to say the rhyme. Also, in the South Bronx, in the beginning of hip-hop, in a Grandmaster Flash's crate of records, Grand Wizard Theodore crate of records, Africa Bambada's crate of records, DJ Jazzy J's crate of records, Red Alert's crate of records, there were rock records. Nice. Because rock records, and the thing that gravitated me to that was, I was a comic book kid. The rock songs, the drums was always louder, mm -hmm. and the guitarist was badass. Right. It was, disco, soul music, and R&B was soft. Rock and roll was like the incredible Hulk and Force Hammer combined. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My attracts in the music was listen to the 70s rock radio. Here in New York City, 70s rock radio was amazing because on, on these stations, you would hear Sly and Family Stone. Mm -hmm. You would hear the Jackson 5. You know what I'm saying? You would hear James Brown. But you would also hear Harry Chapin, Bob Dylan, Led Zeppelin, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. ACDC, Aerosmith, all of these other groups that I couldn't name. When I first heard hip hop, I was like, oh, shoot, you can tell stories about who you are over music. That's all it was to me. Storytelling. I love that. You know what I I'm love saying? That. Plus the thing where, you know, Daryl McDaniels, my old man at Catholic school kid, Daryl McDaniels from Hollis, Queens, New York. When I get on a microphone, I transform. And you were a superhero. Mighty, right. 
Yeah. So for me, what sound do I remember as a little kid that was powerful? It was always the rock records. Nice. The louder drums, um, um, we will rock you, goosh, goosh, gash, way, way better than R&B and funk and all of that stuff. Very powerful. So, yeah, it was the strength of rock songs that totally captivated me, which is why I think ACDC just blew my mind because their sound was always that. You know, Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and the Beatles, they were always psychedelic and right. strains. And ACDC is straight on voice, beat, and loud guitars. No, no ballads. Right. That's that's another thing. They are in a class by themselves. Yes. You know, the Stones might have stayed there a minute. You know what I'm saying? Because even though Mick ain't the best singer, you know, start me up. None of the bands are rock and roll in the way that ACDC is. No, I know what you're saying. It's maximum rock and roll. Yeah, they right, right. Maximum. So different. And I, I love that. You know, yeah. th- that's what I wanted to be when we, when Run DMC, when we made Rockbox, Walk This Way isn't the first rock rap record. The first rock rap record was Rockbox, 1984, Run DMC's first album. So when we did Rockbox, we was trying to make Billy Squire's Big Beat. Which is heavily sampled by everyone. Boom. Yeah, bam, boom. that energy there. But that's just all drums, which was good for MC rapping thing. Yeah, the real rock doesn't come in until the the, the the drum intro ends and it goes ah. Everybody was sporadic with their rock and roll. ACDC full time all night from the beginning, straight to stage, all the way to the end. And that's the yes. way I got it. I have to be that because you know I'm not um I'm not a great well I'm a great lyricist. But I'm not lyrically as acrobatic as Eminem and Jay-Z and Jet and all these cats. So yeah. for me to bust their ass, my presentation is going to be ACDCs because ACDC is something else. I love that. <laughs> I read somewhere on Revolver magazine where you listen to Highway to Hell every day. Is that true? No, 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 no. The song that I listened to when I discovered it every day was, um, she was a fast machine. She kept the motor clean. She was the death. It was that rock and roll energy, hard as hell, nothing changed, they ain't softened shit up, but it was fucking placed beautifully. You know, when you just sang that back as sort of a scat song, it's it's almost a rap in itself. It is, yeah. You know, that's, that's funny you said it. Um, DJ Scratch, one of the greatest DJs in the history of hip hop, said that I need to make back the black hole. Yeah, <laughs> and he said just he said exactly like it is. You know what I'm saying? So you're you're a young Catholic kid growing up in Hollis, Queens, in the '60s, '70s, '80s. It's it's kind of like a battle zone at that time, right? I remember going to New York City in the eighties, and it was iffy during the daytime. Yeah, right? it was crazy. It was so crazy, but and, it was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> there was just did, something about it you loved. But music is this great release for you, and you started to get into DJing. So in eighty three, is that when you met up with Joseph Run Simmons? when we first made the record. Our first okay. record was 83. I met up with Joe in um, 
eighth grade. Okay. At St. Pascal Bela Catholic School, when his brother was managing the early hip hop acts like a Curtis Blow and mm -hmm. like Houdini and like Grandmaster Flash and all of those cats. He was a right. manager of certain acts, but he was the party promoter that was taking hip hop from the streets indoors. And it's funny, like you said, at that time, everybody was doing disco rapping. Right. Everybody was, I'm the disco man, disco, I'm the, the fat boys were the disco three. Right. Um, if you listen to all the early rap records, they'll say something about being the disco king on the mix. It was disco because it was club party DJ record playing thing. And Jam Master J, was he like the guy? He was a neighborhood DJ. Okay. So what was special about Jay? why he was such a good DJ there was two DJs. There was the DJ that could come and play your mother and father's gathering. Yeah. You know, just spin the records. And then there's the DJ that could go to the block party and drop all the beats so the break dancers could dance. And there was the DJ that would just introduce craft work. You know, like, what the hell? It was those DJs. So yeah, you, you had the DJs that emulated the, um, the black radio DJs, the legends like Frankie Crocker and all of those guys, you know, those black urban radio legends. And sure. you had the DJs that were doing the block parties like Cool Herc and them. Jay was both of those things. Wow. Which was beautiful because Jay was the music student who, by the way, played the drums. Oh, what, perfect. The motivation for Jay to be a good student was if you don't keep your grades up, you can't play in a school band and you can't take the music course. So, of course, Jay, in the midst of all this mischievous stuff that he did as a kid, he got good grades because he wanted to play the drums. By playing the drums, he was exposed to all types of music, rock and roll, funk, R&B, disco, and all of that. So Jay was uh, multi-skilled in all of the arts. While some DJs only knew jujitsu. When Jay knew jujitsu, Bruce Lee skills, Shaolin Monk Master <laughs> stuff, if, if I had to describe it to y'all. That's an MVP guy right there. The funny thing was, most of the people in my neighborhood, nobody really gravitated toward rock. You know, they called me white boy. <laughs> oh, truthfully, you know, people are evil and don't, don't know better, you know. I was uh, white boy because I loved everything from, you know, Led Zeppelin to the Stones to ACDC to um, Janis Joplin. Yeah. That gravel. Like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, not who is this? What is this? Yeah. But, oh, you know, all the way down to Bob Dylan, all the way down to Harry Chapin and Jim Croce, you know. Cats yep. in the Cradle was one of my favorite. There was just something about folk rock and rock that was so different from black and the soul music. But for me, rock was just like superheroes to me. The song you released recently, America, name drops all of those guys. And yes. it, honestly, you could do a great back in black mashup with that tune. It's got that same vibe. I'm gonna have my DJ do that. That'll be oh, crazy. <laughs> Rock and roll is always here for you. So here's a DMC song to listen to. From America, from America. I will always be there for y'all. From America, from America. I will always be here for y'all. From America, from America. I will always You know, it's funny that you say that because I always say ACDC is the American rock. But yeah. hold on, here's the mind blower. When I found out that they were from Australia, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, Australia must be cool. Yeah, because they wasn't from Britain. They wasn't right. from where Led Zeppelin and the Stones and the Beatles were from. 
I guess they, they, their spirit in Australia, they land down under. Them motherfuckers went to hell. Like, <laughs> I can understand why they did highway to hell. You know what I'm saying? So ACDC always had these little special characteristics that were official. You don't have to explain them. Everybody else, you got to explain. Yeah, very simple band. They're right to the point. There's no political commentary from these guys, you know. Like, on all emotional levels, though, you know, they, they made a record that was, like, sexier than almost anything Al Green and Marvin <laughs> Day co- combined. So, what, now, when I discovered um, rock and roll ain't noise pollution. Yeah. yeah. Now, that flow right there is way better than fucking Jizza from the Wu-Tang Clan. You know, when, when, they, when you analyze people the way they write and say, oh, the, the lyrics is real. That shit was, I said, yo, these dudes are definitely better than all these motherfucking rappers. I saw you lying on your bed. I asked you if you want some loving. Now, yeah. that's definitive. She said, no. I want to rock and roll. And the worst, oh, my God. So no, how- nobody beats that. Tell me who beats that. You can no say one. it was brilliant when the Beatles did Sergeant Peppers. You know, the whole, all, what do you think if I sang out a tune? And, it was 20 years ago today. In the Rick Rubin thing, Paul said, yeah, we were trying to come hard. It was 20 years ago today. No, no. <laughs> this dude said... I asked you if you want some love, and you said, no, I'm on a rock and roll instead. <laughs> and then, and then just, just, just that chorus. You just made that line so much more important for me. Now I love it even more. I was just curious if you've ever kind of stolen a rhythm, you know, to make your rock, your rhymes or any lyrics from rock songs. No, no, we haven't. The only time we definitively did something that was official rock and roll was the Walk This Way record. Right. Which we didn't want to do. And even right. Rick Rubin had said, King of Rock and Rock Box are bad examples of rock and roll. But that's the beauty of it. We didn't know what we were doing. We just wanted to be that. <laughs> Right. So King of King of Rock was more um, trying to be back in black. If you listen to King of Rock, it's different from Rock Box. Rock Box is more melodic. Right. King of Rock is just in your face, highway to hell, back in black, raw, fuck y'all. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to be the king of rap. Like, I don't want to battle a rapper. Even in this, I don't want to battle Eminem. I don't want to battle Jay-Z. That's on a low totem pole for me. Who I want to battle to this day is ACDC. Uh, is the stone by myself, though. You understand this little kid sitting there. <laughs> so I say, I want to be the king of rock. This I want Michael, Elvis, everybody to move out the way, get off the throne when DMC walks in the room. <laughs> I love it. So if Let's... you listen, if you listen to King of Rock, it's more badass in your face, ACD style. 
Let's um, segue to Rick Rubin. I read where Rick was producing this young, white, unknown Jewish punk rock dudes by the name of Beastie Boys. And one day he runs into Jam Master Jay and asks if he thought these guys could make a rap record. Jay said, why not? Mixing up genres was a new concept for Rubin. And Rick absolutely loves ACDC. Um, and he had already sampled Back in Black with the Beastie yes, Boys. Yes, on the Beastie Yes. You know how mad I was. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. Well, the whole story is like this. So we're in Chunking House of Metal working on the Raisin L album. And Rick Rubin meets Jay in the hallway, comes and starts sitting in on our sessions. Okay. So he brings... Now, you got to understand, they're so mature and different now. Rest in peace, MCA. So he brings literally... Have you ever seen the Three Stooges? I love the students. <laughs> Boing, bang. Imagine he brings those three young white Jewish guys from a punk band, <laughs> and they're in the corner of the studio not paying us any attention. Rick goes, hey, you know how Rick talks? He moves his head like this a lot. Hey, yeah. man. You think these guys, Jay looks at him and says, why not? They kind of hear why not and stop. They needed a place to start from. So we wasn't using slow and low. On our album, let it flow, oh. let yourself go. Slow and low, when it's the curveball. So they basically, y'all ain't gonna use that? Yo, can we use that? We was like, why not? So we gave it to the BC Boys. A couple of months later, that led to the phenomenal fucking um, license to L album. But the BCs, I guess because they were already a band, they didn't beat around the bush. From Rick's knowledge of ACDC, I guess, and all the bands. Right. Like, he would he would tell us, oh, no, Tricky's my Sharona. That's Blasey Blotted and give us the forward. I, I didn't know it was Aerosmith. I thought it was the album with the toys on it, number four. Yes. <laughs> I never heard Walk This Way. I, in, in all of my years till I made it, I had never heard what happens after the da na 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 No so kidding. Rick comes in. And he's utilizing the records, sounds, and the riffs from all these records that I was hearing on the radio as a kid growing up. It kind of broke me out from a um, a racial standpoint. The Beastie Boys knew more about Grandmaster Flash than my black ass did. <laughs> so I would sit around with them, and they talking about Busy P. Starsky and the Grand Wizard Theodore and the Jewel Nation and DJ Jazzy and all of this stuff. And the same thing with Rick. Like, Rick got to meet Jazzy J and Red Alert before my ass did. I'm trying to figure this out. So, <laughs> BC start using, you know, they use Led Zeppelin, uh, you know, No Sleep to Brooklyn. Right. I was very, very jealous because they're coming in at the top. I heard that Mike Dia, the Beastie Boys, actually rung up ACDC founder Malcolm Young and asking for permission for Back in Black when they were going to release this. Uh, compilation album. I have the quote here from Malcolm. He said, look, mate, we've been in the game a long time, and so have you. Back in Black is one of our top three songs. We can't let you have it. Wow. So I love Malcolm for sticking What year was that? Oh, that was probably 1990 or something when they were going to do a compilation wow. album. Or maybe later. Malcolm would have let them play their actual version in some form. Well, they released that single unauthorized, so Malcolm yeah, was Yeah, that was enough. before the whole sample thing. Right, that was, Malcolm was kind oh. of not to sue them for putting that out. <laughs> wow, I was going to say, did he get his money? Uh, no, they never, oh, they wow. never 
they never sued or anything, but they didn't get permission to do it as a as a compilation song. That's honesty, though. I like Malcolm for defending that. Well, what do you think about bands that don't want to sample? They don't want to give permission like ACDC would never do that. What do you think of that? You can't yeah. do Mona Lisa over. I respect them for saying no. You can't do no. Yeah. Yeah. But, and you know why, too? I don't think that was a premeditated, thought-out strategy. I think it comes from what we talked about at the beginning of this. They're in a class by themselves. I'm sure you can sample their shit now and the publishing deals and all that. But for them to have done that would make them lose ground. He was trying to hold on to their position in the room. I could see why he said, yo, we've been in there with y'all too. You know, you can't have mine. That's my, that's all I got. Right. And it right. means a lot. So how is that different from, let's say, you're finishing up Raising Hell and you're working with Rick Rubin and he brings Walk This Way to you. And Aerosmith's like, yeah, we need something going on with our lives because we're, we're right, in right, trouble. Right. So it really was a win-win for both of you guys. But what would happen if it was back in black that you guys used instead of Walk This Way? They would have let us do it. Really? Yes, because there was just something. I mean, everybody from Bon Jovi to Cher in the beginning, they just said, we love you three guys. Oh, <laughs> guys, what the heck? <laughs> Like they would have been, they would have been. Oh, it's Run DMC. Okay, well, yes. The, the, <laughs> the spirit would have changed there. But the, let, let me go back. We Rick didn't bring it to us. We was going to sample it, and and we was going to do the typical hip hop things. We was going to loop it. It was Jay's job to DJ the whole record without letting any vocals play. I so see. I still remember the song. It was going to go da 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 back to the drums. And it's 86 now. We came out in 83. I was supposed to go da 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 It's DMC and a place to be. Rapping on the mic since 83. I'm the best MC in history. There will never be an MC better than me. That's why they call me the K-I-N-G. And then Run, like the Run DMC, uh, what we're known for, the switching off thing. And Run was supposed to come right there. DJ Run and I'm number one. Hit it, get it done, and I have it fun. Hung and done with the sun. So that's what the record was going to be. We was going to steal Aerosmith's music and talk about us. So that being said, if we was going to do Back in Black, we wouldn't have did their version over. Yeah. But we would have stole their music, and I would have talked about how I'm the king of rock. Not <laughs> not you, Bon Scott, or Brian. I'd have probably name dropped them. I snatched the mic from Brian Johnson. <laughs> and hit him in the face like Charles Bron, like you know, typical, <laughs> typical violent Run DMC stuff, but that makes you happy. Yes, Brian Johnson would have been like DMC punched me in the face on their new record, <laughs> like because we were, were so well liked. What happened was Rick Rubin says, "No, guys, do the record over the way the band originally did it." Me and Run cursed everybody out from the label, cursed Jay out, cursed Rick out. Rick made me and Run go to my basement. Put the needle on the record. He said, take a pen and a pad, put the needle on the record, and don't touch it. Listen to the song and write the lyrics down. 
but people don't realize it. They were already working on that phenomenal music. Judas like a lady, angel, brilliant. But they were so far gone in, in the industry, musically with the critics and public opinion that I always joke like this. I describe it like this. Aerosmith could have made a record with God and people would have said, nope, we hate it. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but what happened was while Rick sends me and run to the basement, he gets on the phone and calls Boston and says, hey, my name is Rick Rubin. Um, I'm producing Run DMC. And we want to make this song Walk This Way Over. It's going to be crazy dope. Imagine saying this to someone in the phone. <laughs> crazy, a crazy dope-ass hip-hop song. And the, and, and the secretary on the phone goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. Come again. My name is Rick Rubin. I'm producing Run DMC. We want to make Walk This Way Over. It's going to be great. Hold on. So now they so far gone. They could have did a $30 million marketing and promotion campaign and nobody would have cared. But this is how the stars work. Hey, there's some dude on the phone named Rick Rubin producing Run DMC and he says they want to do Walk This Way Over. So imagine Steve and Joe here. Uh, oh, that's the rap. Yeah, we know about Run DMC. That's that new music that's come up. Their thing was... Fuck it, what do we got to lose? <laughs> Steve and Joe both admit it in their books. They hooked up with us and it changed their lives. Totally did. Second life. But now it changed both of our lives. Because once Walk This Way hit, now I know how Mick and Michael feel. Yeah. Before that, was just DMC. If you knew me from the hood, if you knew the videos on it, if you knew Rock Box and King of Rock, and if you knew the album covers, and if you knew what Run DMC was doing for hip hop, how he was changing the game with it, cool, you might know me. But the majority of people didn't know me. Once Walk This Way came out, I couldn't drive on the Grand Central Parkway like I usually do without causing accidents. Speaking of Steven, did you ever hear his induction speech for ACDC when he inducted them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No, I got to go listen to it. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's one of the most unsung speeches. and He did a great job. And Aerosmith kind of brought ACDC under their wing when they came over to the States. So I was wow. actually, I was in Cleveland yesterday and I was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I oh, saw nice. your shell toe shoes and your specs and the hats. It was so cool to oh, see, wow. see some of your items in there. But one thing I wanted to say was how beautiful your speech was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You did it. It was a standing ovation. It was awesome. I know, it was like, this has never happened in the history of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That little kid, man. And I love the fact that first video you did, the King video. Rock. Yeah, the, the foreshadow there is uncanny. The foreshadowing of that, of you guys breaking into the Hall of Fame before Hall of Fame was even a thing. It was like two years old Yeah, it didn't exist. It didn't yeah. exist. When, when we got inducted in 09, they called me, all the, all the, you know, the heads of the regime, come in, we want to tell you something. I'm like, what? You guys were prophetic. I said, what do you mean? They said, in 1985, y'all did a video about Shaw being denied entry into a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Larry <laughs> Bud Melman 
from the David Letterman show at the front door going, you guys can't come in here. This is a rock and roll museum. And I screamed, King of Rock. They said, you was prophetic. I said, what do you mean? They said, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame didn't exist. It didn't start till a year later. Yeah. That is so scary. The truth be told, though, Walk This Way would have never happened. King of Rock would have never happened. And Rockbox would have never happened if rock radio hadn't touched my life. Previously popular R&B songs that rappers was rapping over it to get radio play. I come along and I'm like, I'm not making this bullshit. I'm the king of rock. There is none higher. Sucker MCs should call me sire. To burn my kingdom, you must choose fire. I won't stop rock until I retire. Now we rock up. So on time and rhymes connect Got the right to vote and we'll elect And other rappers can't stand us But give us respect So I'm screaming on everybody I'm not making this bullshit We need loud drums and fucking some guitars or something I just wanted to be free, you know I couldn't wait to demonstrate All the super death rhymes that I create I'm a wizard in my word, that's what you heard And anything else is quite absurd I'm the master of a mic, that's what I say And if I didn't say that, you'd say it you know, I was like, that's very rock and roll I love you know, that's, that That's very rebellious So that rock and roll spirit was the thing that like That feeling that sets ACDC Sonically apart from all the other people it's what sex separates Run DMC. I don't care who it is. Even Eminem, when he inducted us, speaking of speeches, before he went out there and gave us the speech, he looked at me and Run and, and said, nobody will ever do what y'all do. Y'all did some shit. I want to talk about your comic books and, and also your, your book where you, you once said, admitting weakness is the strongest thing you can do. Ever and do. You've, you've talked about discussing your fight with depression and drugs and suicidal thoughts and um, I, I almost died like all the people that I, I idolize it's it's the it's so such a sad story but it's it's the lifestyle and, and then you find out you're adopted and yes. you've got some heavy heavy stuff going on and so it shows that you can not only change your life through the power of music, yes. also sharing your own hardships is pretty amazing that you're, you're able to do that. So I learned from the honesty of all the artists that I look up to, all the people that didn't make it out of the situation and all of the ones that did. It just came to the point where I knew the king of rock was just a setup for what I was really put here to do to talk about these things. When it came to the mental health thing and all of these people that struggle with stuff, I see that they don't talk about how they feel. Feelings is the most important thing. For yeah. me, I don't care if you're a rocker, I don't care if you're a UPS driver, a plumber, a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, a little kid in the third grade. My thing was, I'm sick and tired of the pain and the hurt. I do this for Chester, Chris, and Kurt. Chester Lincoln Park, Chris Cornell, yeah. Kurt Cobain. Because I was there where they were at. I'm yeah. sick and tired of the pain and the hurt. I do this for Chester, Chris, and Kurt. Death is appealing. With death, I flirt. I tell the world how I feel, and they think I'm a jerk. I'm not bugging. I'm struggling. All this guzzling is puzzling. So you know what? I stopped hanging with Jack and Jim, Jack Daniels and Jim Beam, so I can fight in a battle and prove we all can win. That's beautiful, man. So I'm going to come rock the box, tell you to walk this way in my Adidas to let you know no matter what it is that you're struggling with, you can beat and defeat it. 
I think it's my responsibility. You know, I think, okay, so what the rock star dies of ODs and drug addiction and depression and suicide? What about the normal everyday people that are dying right now? Yeah. Rock and roll has taught me I could be the voice or the representative for those people. Well, I have to admit, specifically ACDC's music was kind of like my guidance counselor in high school. Music was a release and a healing tool. And that's kind of what this podcast is about, is like, what does ACDC, how does it influence you? Yeah, so Uh, the funny joke about that is I remember the day that I quit smoking Newports, it was 1988. I think I stopped cold turkey, I remember, because I came out my house, I had my Cadillac with the $50,000 sound system in it, my gold <laughs> chain, my gazelles. I'm going down Jamaican Avenue in my neighborhood, and everybody's loving me like I'm the president of the whole country or whatever, whatever. The day that I quit smoking, I was listening to Highway to Hell on the radio. Oh, Cause, cause praise people, the Lord. People would look at me weird. Everybody else was riding through um, New York City listening to Hot 97 and the other yeah. pop station. I would ride around playing K-Rock. Wow. <laughs> so ACDC helped you cure smoking. Yeah. So I have a question for you about comics. Growing up, you were really into comic books. One of your favorites being Iron Man, which, of course, ACDC would eventually be associated with when their music was featured in the original Iron Man movie, Back in Black. But then they did an entire Iron Man 2 soundtrack. How did you like the marriage of ACDC and Marvel Comics? When it was time for them to think of what embodies the power and vibe and aura and spirit of a superhero... It's not Led Zeppelin. It's not Parliament Funkadelic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. It's only ACDC. <laughs> yep. Yeah. When you answer a question about a band and you say ACDC, everywhere, yeah. Yeah. Like even I, the people that don't believe it, when you think of the first thing you think about is how does ACDC sound? You go, yeah. It's so anthemic. I wish they would play the Super Bowl. I know they've turned that down too, but they're like the ultimate arena stadium sounding band, right? Everybody's asking me, why don't me and Run do the the Super Bowl? Put this out viral. I'll do the Super Bowl if ACDC does it. Yes. Yes. That's the only way it can happen. That would be amazing. ACDC comes out, do this, and the special guests, me and Run, come out, do Rockbox and King of Rock. We won't do Walk This Way, and we go home. Oh. And have ACDC play it for us. <laughs> wow. And have Brian Johnson start, oh, oh, no. People will be, what the fuck? And then run and come out. <laughs> People would but, lose their minds. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'll play yeah. the Super Bowl. ACDC does it, I'll do the Super Bowl. Too. I want to see that. For sure. I want to, everyone wants to see that, I think. So let me tell, let me ask you about uh, Daryl Makes Comics or DMC. That, that must be a dream come true for you. Yes, but it was something that I didn't want to do at first. It, it actually came about from a music meeting. Music is so incredible. Music has opened so many doors for me, even though I never wanted to. I don't want to be here doing an interview with you. I just want to go <laughs> listen to ACDC. <laughs> That's an acceptable answer. 
and then make a song in my basement just for me to hear. I but I'm thankful people like what I did. But I went for a music meeting up at Atlantic Records, and I met with a young man named Riggs Morales, who, before he was at Atlantic Records, he was Eminem's right-hand man, A&R, at Shady Records. He said, yo, I'll probably never get this chance in my life again. I don't mean to fan out, but DMC, you was like my superhero yes. of the group. The way you look, your glasses and your gloves and your left. He said, yo, he asked me, what was it like when he was a little kid? And I was like, oh, well, all I did was I went to Catholic school and all I did was read comics. And when I said comics, he was like, comics? And I was like, yeah. He looked around and whispered, comics? <laughs> and I was That's like, yeah. Great. We sat there for three hours and talked about comic books. And he just looked at me and said, dude, you should do a comic book. And I said, hell no. And he was like, why not? I said, I don't want, like, I love cultures. Like, I was a little scared to come on here today. I was going to tell Tracy, my publicist, I don't want to do it. Because I don't want the real ACDC fans mad at me for shit that I don't know. <laughs> so she said, she said in her lovely way, don't worry about Daryl. Just talk about what their music did for you. That's more than enough. So I tell Riggs. Nah, because I don't want comic book culture, people, because culture is a way of life. My fellow geeks and nerds, you know how, how geeky and nerdy all about ACDC? Yeah. Somebody say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. Y'all ain't having that shit. Like, <laughs> off with his head. So I say I don't want people thinking just because I'm a rapper and had a couple of successful here records, here I am trying to profit off of comic book culture. Right. I respect it too much. And he was like, yo, that's like he laughed at that. But then he said, D, you're not doing it as the artist DMC. You're right. doing it as the little kid Daryl, whose first love was comic books. Sure. Yeah. And I was like, oh, sense. I didn't think about it like that. So then he said, okay, I can see your reservations about it. He said, here's what I'm going to do for you. I got a surprise for you. That year, he took me to New York Comic Con. So when I went there, I saw all the stuff that I, all the books that I had when I was a kid, when I was right. growing up. I say to him, okay, I get it now, but here's the deal. I will only do this as a tribute and a celebration of what makes comic books great to every generation. Mm -hmm. With that focus and momentum is how I started Daryl Makes Comics. Well, you'd be glad to know Angus and Malcolm absolutely love comic books. And in wow. fact, their 1995 album, Ball Breaker, married up Marvel artists. For the artwork, right? Yeah, the artwork on the cover and on the inside. They did a lot of artwork with that comic book feel and produced by none other than Rick Rubin. What? Did you know Rick worked with no, ACDC, his no, heroes? What a Rick yeah. produced ACDC? Yeah, he finally got his wish. I think he kept asking. What year asking. was that? 1995. Uh, what? Yeah, yeah. So it was sort of a comeback, true to form, back to roots, ACDC sound. They got Phil Rudd back, their drummer. It had a real raw I AC, never DC. knew that. I knew Rick did Us, The Beasties, Chili Peppers, Johnny K. He did ACDC too. Wow. Yeah. In, in fact, I think he was doing the Chili Peppers at the same time as oh, ACDC. Oh, wow. You can only do it now, Rick. You have this window. Okay. Right. <laughs> you <Yep. laughs> probably didn't even tell everybody else he was doing it. That's crazy. Right. Hold exactly. Up, really? So, 19, yeah. what's the name of the album? Ball Breaker. Oh, yeah. I thought you'd be of interest to that because it's got a lot of Marvel artwork. Oh, and, uh, that, right. And it's probably got some music that's going to blow my mind. 
Here you go. Rock and roll has always been a discovery. You see, I learned something new. And my, my friends would always tease me, why are you listening to all that old rock and roll music? I looked at them and said, motherfucker, it's not old if I never heard it. <laughs> so I'm going to go listen to Ball Breaker. It's all going to be new to me. Yes. Music, it doesn't have a time limit on this shit. I mean, that's why I could see why so many little kids love it's tricky. Right. Like, right. I love that rock. I'm at the Comic Con and little eight year old, nine year old kids come up. Excuse me, Mr. DMC. I love your record. Cutest thing ever. I love your record, Tricky. I wanted to touch upon fashion briefly because you had, you're such a profound effect on the industry with your Adidas with no shoestrings and leather jackets and hats and uh-huh. specs and all that. And it's almost like graffiti, hip hop, and fashion all together. All together, yeah. yes. Obviously, Angus Young schoolboy uniform never caught fire like your look did. But right, but um, everybody knows what it is. Everyone knows yeah. that's that's kind of like a one off. But yeah. what you did was pretty amazing. But it seems like your new thing is rock T-shirts. Like you're wearing an ACDC shirt right now. Yeah. And even in your video, coming like a rhino, you're sporting an ACDC shirt, which yes. was so cool. How did that come about? When I first started wearing ACDC shirts. It went from, I remember those guys, to, yo, DMC's the coolest. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. First of all, back in black, we was always black, the black Raider jackets, the black Lees, the black Levi's, the black denim track suits, yeah. the black leather jackets. So that's like, you know, I go by the name of Daryl Mack and like Johnny Cash, I'm the man in black. Like, so it's just a whole, you know, good guys wear black thing. When I got sober and I'm coming out back into the world, I don't want to put on a leather. I don't want to put on a Adidas shoe because that's my team colors. That's your schoolboy uniform. Right. Right. Exactly. So I'm not the DMC with the tracksuit no more. Because I'm not on that team anymore. Jay yeah. passed away. Me and Run retired. So who is Daryl? Daryl is the kid that loved listening to rock radio. So when I come outside, if you want to know who I am, hip-hop was always about, without even saying I'm a graffiti artist, a DJ, or a breakdancer, or a rap, or an MC, or a rapper, I could just walk in the room, you know, the Run DMC pose, fold your arms. Yeah, oh, yeah. And you can look at what I got on and my mannerism and understand who and what I am. That's the same thing with the rock shirts. Yeah. That's who I am. That's like, I'm really the king of rock. I've seen you in Motorhead, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, but the most prominent yeah. uh, is ACDC. AC/DC. I smell collaboration coming somewhere. <laughs> if you look at ACDC and DMC, that's what it is, baby. Yeah. Like for, for them, it's just so perfect for me. It's very superheroish on my chest. Yep. The beauty of it is it's not the Stones. It's not Led Zeppelin. Right. It's not the Diesel. It's motherfucking ACDC, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> and who's wearing the shirt? It's DMC. Like no other shirt does it for me. You had said something that some of your friends got made fun of for wearing Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shirt. rock shit. Most of Angus Young and, and ACDC's early musical infer- influences were black. Chuck Berry, Little Richard, Buddy Guy, B.B. King, even Louis Armstrong. 
um, essentially, yeah, blues, jazz, architects of rock and roll. Do you think there's room for ACDC to be influenced by Run DMC? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. You know how a photo is the the negative, the the, the yin and the yang, and the reverse, the alternate universe. I'm actually the flip of ACDC, if you think about it. Because they're influenced by all these black dudes. I'm influenced by all these white dudes. <laughs> but I'm realizing me and ACDC are one and the same. That's so fun. I'm just surprised and honored that I actually get to talk about ACDC right now. Because it even made it more my thing. Because it's my thing. Like, it's my thing. Uh, I, I think we found the right person, Greg. <laughs> It's my thing, you know, it's my thing, for sure. So I, I wanted to thank you so much for emceeing this very special episode of ACDC Beyond the Thunder. Way too generous with your time, but... No, I had to because now I got a whole album to fucking listen to and look at the artwork and try yes. to find <laughs> and experience a new song that's going to inspire me. Daryl, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. No, so thank fun. you. Thank you. Now I got something. I got homework. Yes. And we always end our show with one final question. It's not an easy one, but if you had to describe ACDC in one word, what would it be? Ultimate. ACDC Beyond the Thunder theme song, Trailer Trash, written and performed by Gannon Arnold. VO Talent by Bruce Jacobson. Cinematography and sound recording by Greg Ferguson. Edited and mixed by Eric Keel. Written, directed, and hosted by Kurt Squires. Produced by Greg Ferguson, Eric Keel, and Kurt Squires. ACDC Beyond the Thunder is a Squires LLC current motion production. Copyright Beyond the Thunder podcast. All rights reserved. This has been a Nat Attack presentation. Jazz button and new nano.